So thankful that you're here today. Hope you're doing well. Uh, we've got a gorgeous day to wrap up our weekend outside. We've got all kinds of fun things planned for today. Uh, I'm so excited to just be here in the room with you. I want to thank everybody for watching online, everybody listening and driving down the road. we got a bunch of people. There's probably twice as many people who listen and watch online uh, than there are in the room on a week-to basis, and, and that just says, tells us a lot about what God's doing through this community all over the place. So uh, the news is spreading, so we're so thankful for that. Hey, if you're new here, I'd love to welcome you. Uh, we don't do a bunch of weird things, uh, you know, just to, to recognize you, but we do want you to know that we're thinking about you. We're thankful you're here and hope that this feels like a place you can grow in faith and in family. And, uh, and I, I want to let you know about a couple things that are taking place today. If you're new here, these are all, all new. Uh, one is something called DNA Sessions. DNA Sessions are really just the starting line for those here at Fathom. Some of you have gone through that before. Some of you have been here and you haven't got a chance to go through that. I just want to say, hey, uh, it, it's not as intimidating as it sounds. DNA sounds like, hey, we got to do some samples, some swab, swabs or something like that. <laughs> Nothing of the sort. It's actually a pretty laid-back environment where we just get to know you a little bit and we get to uh, share a little bit about our story, our beliefs, and our core values, where we come from, so that you can connect and feel right at home here and answer any questions you've got. So that's today. It's always on the first and second Sunday of every month. So that's today, right after our group's launch tailgate party. Anybody hungry yet, right? No, see, a lot of y'all did fasting, so your stomachs are shrunk. You're not hungry yet, but just give it a few more minutes, and, and uh, uh, you'll be getting hungry. We've got a big tailgate party planned right out in the uh, parking lot, right as you exit. You can grab a snack, and today is a day. It's one of three weekends in the year in which we launch a new season of what we call anchor groups, but they're just small groups because rows are great. There's a, there's a value to what we do on, on Sundays and the gathering here, but we think it's important that we gather in smaller group because I'm guessing, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing you don't know everybody here, right? I don't know everybody here, so I'm guessing you probably don't know everybody here, but it helps to be able to do life with people. We do three different types of groups that we, we offer around here. Some are like service groups, and so they go out and serve the community, and so if there's something on your heart to lead and serve in, maybe, maybe you in the future seasons, you're like, hey, I think I'm going to lead a service group. And so one of those leads uh, and goes and ministers to the homeless downtown Jacksonville. Uh, we've got activity groups that are just no matter what you're into, uh, there's a place to hang out. If you just like to get together and eat and, you know, that's, come on, sign me up for those groups. There's some of those activity groups. There's a run club group and a girls night and all kinds of fun stuff. And then there's some growth groups in which, hey, we're going to lean around. We're going to lean into the scriptures. And so uh, you'll be able to see all those offerings out there uh, this uh, afternoon as you exit church and find a place to connect and just lean in today. So hope you're ready to eat. It, it, there is a kind of a footy ball game going on today. You guys familiar with it? It's called the Super Bowl that's happening tonight. I, this doesn't look like much of a football crowd, or at least not a Chiefs and Niners. Is there any Chiefs and Niners fans in here? Yeah, that's why it's so quiet in here when I talk about the Super Bowl. So uh, on our launch day, this, was, this is like dumb pastor talk, but on our launch day, um, I had a lot of hope. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Tampa, so I really was, you know, trying to root for the Jags. And I'm like, hey, in the next 10 years, I'm prophetically speaking, the Jags are going to win the Super Bowl. So we got three years, Jaguars. So I'll just, I'll leave it at that. We'll see. Um, dumb things that pastors say, right? So I didn't say go put your money on it. But uh, anyway, so I'm excited to kick off a new series today. Um, uh, many of you know that we've, uh, my, my family and I, we, we've kind of done a side hustle. We've got a little hobby of woodworking, 
in our family, and so I've kind of collected tools. Every time I do a job, I collect some new tools, and, and uh, through the years, I've learned so much. I used to be really terrible, and now I'm just, you know, good, you know average or, or just, uh, you know, good, and, um, and one of the biggest things I've learned, though, is how important it is to have quality tools, and even more so, how important it is that your blades are sharp. Like, if you don't have a sharp blade, like, you, you, your, your stuff's not going to be that good. Right, whether it's a miter saw or a jigsaw or, or, or planer or whatever it is, having sharp blades is extremely important. And I was praying about as we lean into to this uh, this new series. It's called Healthy Habits. This series of healthy habits. I, I really felt led to talk about our relational habits. Uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, once had a quote. Anybody love Abraham Lincoln? I joke that this is what our ushers are going to start carrying, but it's a total joke. So. Hey, how about that? Siri pulled up some Abraham Lincoln's work habits. Awesome. I need to like shut her up somehow. But anyway, Abraham has this. Abraham Lincoln had this quote um, that said, "Give me six hours to cut down a tree, and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the axe. Six hours to cut down a tree, and I'll spend the first four hours sharpening the axe." That said something to me. That that said something to me that Abraham Lincoln said that that really we should value the resources that we're using to reach our goal. That we should invest resources, time, and energy into sharpening the tools that help us get to where we want to go. Come on, can you believe, I mean, could you agree with that? Like, we need to sharpen some of those things. And, and as we were leaning in, I, I, I began to think about the goal. Like, what's the goal of being a follower of Jesus? Like, can we come up with lots of, of goals there? I, I summed it up uh, earlier this year, just pretty simple, to know Him and to make Him known. Like, we, out of knowing Him, we live a life to make Him known, to be a part of the body of Christ. So if we just had to boil it down, that's what all of our lives as Christians, we set aside our, our goals, our New Year's resolutions, all of our nice American dream goals. We set all those at the feet of Jesus. And our life's goal is to know him and to make him known. And, and as, uh, as believers, if that's our goal, if that's what we rally around, so how do we do that? What is the axe head? What is that that needs to be sharpened in our life? What do we see in the scriptures that God teaches us? Hey, this is how you're going to get there. I hope in this room and listening online, that's, that's your goal. Is I, I want to know him more. I'm guessing you're here because you want to know him more. And if that's the goal, what are the things in scriptures that God's given us? Well, there's lots of things he's given us. One, he's given us the scriptures. Like he's, given us the, he's given us the Holy Spirit as a resource to empower us to live out that mission. He's given us creation itself that proclaims the greatness and glory of God. So when you're kind of off and then you get in the woods and you're like, God, you're just so amazing. And we just see a sunset and it just reminds us of him. Those are things, tools and resources that God has given us on this, this earth. But one of those huge things, huge resources, huge tools that God uses in our life to help sharpen our metaphorical acts, to sharpen um, our lives, to, to help us get to where we're going, which is to become more like Christ, to, to know Him, to make Him known, is our relationships. I want to talk to you today just about healthy relational habits, because I find that a lot of us don't have healthy relational habits. And so when I talk about the acts, I'm going to be talking about sharpening your relationships, those that are closest to you, because here's what I realize is that your relationships are so important. They have a huge impact 
on the person you're becoming. God brought me to a scripture. I was in the Proverbs last week, and I'm in the Proverbs again today. So uh, I want to go to another proverb. In Proverbs 27, um, we, you can, you've probably heard this one. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I want you to read that with me. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I don't know, but I'm guessing that there's some of us, we feel complacent in our faith. We may feel our faith is plateau. We feel stuck. And you're trying with all of your effort to get through this plateau, to get through this valley. I knew it was bound to happen, so let's just leave it there. Leave it there. We feel plateaued, but what if the one thing, it's not more willpower, it's not more effort. What if it's actually your relationships that are holding it up? That, that things aren't, you're not getting sharper because you don't have the right people in your life. You're not leaning into the people that are in your life. What if it has a huge amount to do? What if that's the only thing that needs to change today? What if the X is our closest relationships? Um, there's uh, one quote that um, has gone around. It's been a popular quote for years. A guy named Jim Rohn. He said, you are the average of the five people closest to you. Have you heard this quote before? You are the average of the five people closest to you. Just begin to think about that. I don't know who you're closest to, whether it's some coworkers or some family members or maybe some people at church, and you're the average of them. So if all your friends, your closest friends are a bunch of hooligans, you're, <laughs> hate to break it to you, <laughs> you're probably a hooligan too. So I just love that word, hooligan, you know, it's a, it's a good word, yeah, that's right. Uh, there's a social psychologist, he said it like this. He said, the people that you habitually associate with can, um, can define or they can determine as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. The people you habitually associate with, I think we could say it like this. Your habits, your relational habits will determine about 95% of your success and failure in life. Now, I'm guessing Dr. David McClellan, the social psychologist that said this, I'm guessing that we have little different definitions of what success and failure is. We might look at that a little bit differently, but the, the point remains the same. If you're going to get to where you're going, and if you want to be who you are called to be in Christ, the people that you are closest with have a huge impact on you becoming that. So if your closest circle are not people who are helping you become that person, you, you need a new circle. You, things need to be shifted and changed around. That means if you're tired of being a negative person, well, you've got to stop hanging around negative people. There's probably some negative influences in your life, and it may be your mama. Oh, it, it may be your brother. It may be your boss. And we're going to get into the work relationships and how difficult this makes it. And we're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. If you don't, you don't want to be such a negative person, get around the ne- stop being around negative people. If, if you want to lose weight, quit getting around and hanging out with people who constantly overeat and are eating at midnight and, you know, triple Big Macs. You know what I mean? We've got to change some things. Is that a thing? Triple Big Mac? I don't know. I haven't eaten at McDonald's in a long time. The reality, if you're around unhealthy people, you're going to become more unhealthy. The studies prove it. The studies prove it. If you hang around unhealthy people, you're going to become unhealthy as well. And, and I'll say this much as well. Let's, let's talk about problems because I think there's some essential problems with some of our closest relationships that we need to be able to identify. So let's walk through that. I think one of the biggest 
problems, essential problems with our closest relationships is they lack shared core values. Some of the people we're closest with, they don't share the same values as us. And I can just hear somebody saying it now in your head, because I've thought through this. You know, well, well Jesus, Jesus spent time, uh, you know, uh, around sinners and tax collectors at that time who were like the sinner of all sinners, the tax collectors. And, um, and he spent time around drunkards so much to the point that they thought he was a drunk because he's, yeah, yeah, he did, 100%. And we are called to do the same. But they weren't in his inner circle. They weren't the people he was closest with, but he was close enough to have an impact and to lead them into a new life. And so we've got to get around some people who have shared core values, people who are going to call us to the person that we're called to be. Essential problem is I think a lot of our relationships, our closest relationships, they lack diversity. We've talked about racial diversity, we've talked about age diversity for a second, and all those are important in, in your relationships as well. Like, are, are you friends of people older and younger than you? Are, you? are you close friends with people that are of a different ethnicity and background than you to help you see things differently? But I, I want to talk about the diversity of spiritual maturity, because I think this is a huge one that you need in the you're closest with, because you're an average of them. And so if, if in your friend group, like you're the, the, you're the spiritual leader that everybody turns to, and you don't have anybody in your inner circle that you can look up to and be like, I want to be more like them as I grow in the Lord. I want that spiritual maturity. If everybody looks to you, that may pad your ego. That may pet your ego, but it will limit your potential. So you need some people in your life who are going to stretch you challenge you, who are going to encourage you to be the person that God's called you to be. If you've got people that, hey, you're just the only guy here that prays. You're just the only one that prays, and you're the only one that goes to church. That may feel like you're doing better than them, but it's not going to help you get to where you're called to be. And the third thing I would say, a central problem in a lot of our relationships is they lack authenticity and depth. We know how to talk about the weather. We know how to talk about sports. We know how to talk about other people. I'll just let that one rest. We won't preach on that today. We know how to talk about all kinds of things. But can we talk about the pain? Do, do we have friends when we get, to, get together with them? We'll talk all the, And then we just dive in. We go into level 20. We move past level 3 and 4, and we just assume level 20 with people. And I'm telling you, if you want authentic relationships, Terrence shared this recently uh, a couple of weeks ago, that, hey, if you want vulnerability, you got to give vulnerability. If you want authenticity, you got to give authenticity. And that, that's what this house is built on is, is a culture of authenticity. And I hope depth, that's kind of what fathom means. We hope that we're getting deeper. There's a, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter thir- uh, 15, verse 33, in which Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And they had kind of got caught up. I won't go through the whole context of it. But they had gotten caught up with some wacky teaching on the resurrection. And Paul's coming to them and like, hey, hey, hey guys, like you, you are buying into some stuff. That, and he's basically asking, who have you been hanging around? And he doesn't really have to ask it because he knows who they've been hanging around because he knows who has that kind of theology. Some of us, like our theology is changing because of the people we're with. And, and, here's, and here's what, verse 33, Paul ends up quoting a Greek poet named Menander. And he says, bad company corrupts. You've heard this one before. It's popularized. But the King James Version says, evil company corrupts good habits. Come on, talk about relational habits here. Your company that you keep, the people that are closest with you are having a bigger impact on your life than what you realize. 
Dr. McClellan would say, as much as 95% of your success and failure is directed by those people. What if it's not working harder? What if it's not trying all the new fancy tricks? What if I just, I need to look and sharpen the axe of my relationships. Some of us are, are there right now, and so I, I just want to ask you, what needs the shift in those five closest to you? Do you need to go honest and deeper with some friends that you have? Do you need to get some people, get some diversity going in your closest relationships, some people that are further along in the journey? Maybe someone who's a little, two steps behind that you can encourage and you can pour into. Get some diversity in your closest relationships. Uh, maybe there's some negative influences in your closest relationships that you need to distance yourself from. What's the shift that God would ask you to make in your relationship in order to sharpen the axe of your relationships? The second thing that God began to bring me to on this idea of iron, sharpening iron, was to brace yourself for inevitable hardships that come with relationships. Embrace yourself for the inevitable hardships and difficulties that come with relationships. Uh, it was years ago, and uh, my dad would, uh, once a year, I think it was usually in the summer, he would take me and my brother. There's just two of us in our family, my parents and then me and my brother. He's 15 months younger than me. So my dad would take us out. You know, we, I live three hours away from him, and, and, and I don't get to see my brother a lot. So it was like a nice guy's trip he would do. He'd rent a charter boat with a, a fishing captain, any fisherman in, in the house. Anybody? Okay, yeah, there, there's some of you. So my type of fishing is let me go with a captain who will take me out onto the ocean, not like trolling around. I want to be going. I want some waves. I want some big fish. Let's chase it. He puts us over the top of it. He just tells us to drop the hook. We reel it in, and then he cleans them and puts them in a bag, and I go home. Like, that's my kind of fishing. And so we, we always go out to the Gulf of Mexico, and we were out there, and we had an epic experience this day, uh, this, this year that we went out. So we're out there, and, and I grew up on the, on the Gulf of Mexico, and, and so thunderstorms are normal for me, and, and, and so I just remember being out there, and, and there was one thunderstorm that came up, as they do um, here in Florida and in the Gulf, and, and so one of them popped up over here, and it started thundering and getting really dark, and so we're kind of looking at it, and he's, he's out here every day, this, this captain, Captain Clay, and, and so we're just kind of rolling with it, and then another one pops up over here, a big thunderstorm, and so we're kind of like off in a distance, and he sees that these two clouds are kind of moving together. The thunderstorm is coming together. And so he says, we're not going to go around it. We're going through it. And so he begins to split it. And by the time we're going through this thing, first of all, lightning's popping. And both of these thunderstorms out in the middle of the ocean, I'm like scared to death. And, 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 and the two thunderstorms are about the distance of these two walls from one another. And we're coming through on the boat. And I don't know if you've ever been on a boat, especially on the ocean, and uh, you start going fast, and like if you're not bracing yourself, you're going down. There's a video that's viral on YouTube and stuff of people like following boat fails. You know what I mean? They don't brace themselves, and so they're getting thrown on the floor of the boat or out of the boat. And so we just take off, and he's flying. The water's the choppiest can be, and we're just bracing ourselves. We're like surfers out there. We're just you know feeling it. Like Ugh. and it's just jumping, jumping. If you got a weak stomach, you are puking at this point. So we're just riding out, and we, we make it through. It was incredible. It was a cool experience. I don't ever want to do it again. But we made it through, and, and God just brought me back to that story that we need to brace ourselves for the, 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 the just uh, inevitable difficulties that come with relationships. You, you look at two friendships, like one over here with two individuals and two individuals over here, and let's say they're exactly the same in every way. 
and you've seen this, similar situations take place. You could take a couples who have been married and over here, uh, one couple and another couple over here, and, and they kind of have the same person, and they go through the exact same circumstance, a betrayal, infidelity, gossip behind their back, or a misunderstanding. The same exact things take place. Two different outcomes. You ever like just wonder, like it seemed like it was the same thing, and, and some relationships, some friendships make it through. And some don't. And it's like, so, so why is that? Like, what's the core essence? Is it commitment? Is it love? Is it maturity? Like, what, what is it? I think we could point to a lot of things, and sometimes we just won't know. There's just a lot of complexity to those things. But I, I think it boils down. We can just make it really simple. There's a willingness of two individuals in a friendship, in a marriage, in a relationship, two individuals that are committed. We're going to work through it. We're going to work through it. We're going to work through the healing process. We're going to work through the forgiveness process. We're going to work through whatever this difficulty is, this hardship. But I think most of us end up treating it like that scab that starts to itch up. Come on, you, you ever have a scab that like it's growing back, it's beginning to heal, and then like it's so close, but it starts to itch real bad, you know what I'm talking about? And it's just bothering you, and you're like, finally, we just like rip it off, like I can't handle it anymore, and then it starts the process over, and it's so much longer, and you may be in some relationships right now, at work, or with some of your closest friends, maybe even in your marriage, in which you're ready to rip the scab off, but hey, the process has still got to happen, the healing still has to happen, and so you might as well just, you know, um, be ready for those hardships, and I think that can kind of set our sails ready to endure the hardships, because it's not a matter of if they're going to come, it's a matter of when they come, they're going to come, and are we going to endure through it? 1 Corinthians 13 is always considered the love chapter, and everybody looks at love is patient, love is kind. And verse 7 is one of my favorites, and it, and it says this, love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, love never fails. Let me just tell you, you need difficult relationships in your life. You need relationships that hit difficulties. Because it's only then that true love can be tested. Will you love them when it's hard? Will you persevere when they've betrayed you? Will you trust them when they haven't given you a reason to trust them? When they've given you reasons not to trust them? Can we persevere through those? Can we continue to hope and believe the best about this? And let me tell you, that's not always easy in our relationships. But if we just begin to brace ourselves that those are going to come, then we can hang in there and persevere because love always perseveres. I think this is a really hard conversation for those in the secular workplace and your work environments and you're thinking of some relationships and these people that you spend 40 to 50 hours in a cubicle with. Anybody got that kind of world, right? It's many of you in, the, in this place. And I just want to give some encouragement to those of you that are in some difficult relationships. Maybe it's in the work environment. Maybe it's some friendships that you're about tired of. They're about to get out of the circle. And and so you need to be led of the Lord on who's in the circle and who's out. But let me give you a, a few pieces of encouragement on that, those difficult relationships, difficult times. First is you've got to resolve to be a light in the darkness. If you don't feel called there like and believe that you're called there, you're most likely just going to endure that environment and not be able to impact the environment. 
unless you kind of sense, because you're just going to continue to dread it and dread it and dread it. But when you go in as an ambassador, as a missionary to your workplace or to your neighborhood or to your cubicle, and you say, hey, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference here. I'm called here. God has, I, I don't like it. I would rather things be easier. But that difficulty, that dark environment, you're there for a reason. When you know you're there for a reason, you can walk and have an impact in it. The, the second thing I, I just want to encourage you in is to eliminate your savior complex. A lot of us in the difficult relationships, we feel like we've got to be the one to fix them. We've got to change everything. And I just want to tell you from personal experience, you're in the wrong seat. You're not the Savior. You don't need to be the Savior. And so we've got to get our mind. No, no, we can be a light. What I love is, is what, just a parallel in the Scripture in which Jesus calls himself, he says, I'm the light of the world. But in Matthew um, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you're the light of the world. He's looking to his disciples. He's looking to the people. He says, you're the light of the world. So he's the light of the world living in and through us. So we're not the Savior, though. We're, we're just ambassadors. And so the longer that we sit in the wrong seat, the, the, the faster we're going to wear down. So some of you, you're worn down in these relationships. You don't actually need to get rid of the relationship. You just need to eliminate your Savior complex in that. And some of us, let me just speak to some singles in the house who are dating as saviors. Like you're, you're, you're dating these people and like, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to save them. And like, hey, you're setting yourself up to bear a burden in which you are not meant to bear. So eliminate the sa- savior complex. And then the third thing is I would just say find fertile soil to plant seed in. Like every conversation is an opportunity to plant seed Every interaction you have with someone, even when you're not interacting, you're just praying over that person who you spend time interceding for. Those people, it's an opportunity to plant seed in fertile soil. But so many times we're trying and we're working with difficult people and hard soil. And, and the reality is that God can break up hard ground. Don't miss the, the key line there. God can break up hard ground. Not you by talking louder or like exhausting yourself. No, I'm going to save them. I'm going to get, they're going to get through it. Jesus taught his disciples, hey, when you go out, like if some people don't receive it, come on, just brush the dirt off your, he said feet. I said shoulder. We say in our culture, brush the dust off yourself and find people who you can plant into a fertile soil. Spend some time with the person who's hungry. You can feel some spiritual momentum. Like you probably, some of you know what I'm talking about. When I say this, like you feel some spiritual momentum there. You feel like, hey, that person asked me about church. Hmm. They saw my post online about, you know, for Easter or whatever. Hey, they asked me. Maybe, maybe they're open to, to church. I'm going to spend some time. Let's go to lunch sometime. I don't even have to bring it up. They're already asking about it. I can just begin to pour into them, and I find the fertile soil. And so brush the dust off of the difficult ones and the hard ground and let God do the work there. Some of us in this room, we need to, we need to look at our acts today because our acts need sharpening. It's dull as can be because there's some people that don't share the same values as us in our core circle. There's some people who, in which we don't, we don't have enough diversity in our closest relationships. Uh, maybe today it's, it's not anybody else that's got to go. It's just someone that's got to shift in me where I, I set aside my pride and, and my fear of rejection and I'm just ready to be authentic with somebody. I'm ready to build one good relationship. So some of us are in that place today. And I think some of us may be in, in a different place today. 
And this is a hard conversation for you because you can't sharpen an axe that you don't have. We live in the most connected generation the world has ever known. And we live in the most isolated and lonely generation the world has ever known. It's quite the paradox. Some of us walk in here today and we're thinking through this message like, that's great, Pastor. I'd just like to have one friend I can talk to. Just like somebody real like that I don't have to like put on a front for, but we can just keep it 100 all the time. I just wish I had one person like that and I didn't have to keep up this charade where I'm one thing with my church friends and I'm another thing with my, my real friends. We can move past this place. I want to go to a story uh, this morning. We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6 in just a moment. But let me, before I do, I want to tell you this. For those that feel isolated and lonely this morning, I want you to know that Satan, the accuser, he wants nothing more than to keep you isolated. Because you're weaker when you're isolated. Your axe will not be sharpened when you're isolated. The, the, lo- the longer you stay in an identity of loneliness and aloneness, the, the longer you will not be in your identity of adoption, that you were adopted as a son and daughter and you're not alone. You have a family of God that's all over the planet that you are running this race with and a great cloud of witnesses of those who have gone on before us that you are not in this alone. You're a part of an army that Jesus started in the early church. I'm so thankful for that. I found this, um, this really obscure story in Second Kings chapter 6 God brought me to it. And I never, I really don't remember hearing it. Maybe I've heard it before. And I began to look it up in commentaries, and I couldn't find it in a single commentary. It's that kind of obscure. And it starts with Elisha, and I just have to preface this for my own sake, to give me in the frame that Elisha is a man, because my daughter's name is Elisha. So I'm always like, oh, he's a guy. So he's a prophet um, named Elisha. I'm going to read this uh, text, and then, and then we'll talk about it. And I believe God wants to speak to us through it. So the company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. So let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole. And let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. He's just chopping and lost it. He said, oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It's borrowed. And the man of God, Elisha asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and he threw it there. And he made it and float. out, he said. The man reached out his hand and he took it. And that's it. That's it. If you didn't grab it, like that's a miracle. <laughs> Iron axe heads don't flow, particularly from the Jordan River, which is between 50 and 200 feet deep. So axe head, I don't know if you've ever had this. You ever work with a loose axe and the head's about to come off? It's just scary. So he, he loses this thing into a river that's 50 to 200 feet deep. I think it's at the bottom. Axe heads don't float. Not only is that a big deal, but uh, axe heads were of vital importance in this time. And they were not like, hey, I borrowed my friend's axe, and now I'll go around. I lost it. I broke it. I'm going to go get him another one. I'll get my neighbor another one. No, no, no. These were of infinite value. Like, I borrowed my friend's Lamborghini, and then I totaled it. It's like that. 
And so the only real option, most of the time in this culture, when you have borrowed something, you've lent lent something like this, and you lost it or destroyed it, the only option, this guy's thinking through, when he cries out, oh no, it was borrowed, what he's saying, and the reality is that he knows he's probably going to have to sell himself into slavery to pay that off. That's probably the reality in this culture that he would step into. He would give himself, work it over out for however many years agreed upon, and then he would be released. And so I just began to pray, God, this is an obscure story. God, why did you bring it to him? Talking about iron sharpening iron, this Abraham Lincoln quote, God, why did you bring me to this? Because a lot of us are in this place and we don't need to sharpen our axe. We just, our, our axe needs to be resurrected. Our axe is sitting at the bottom of an ocean of our childhood where we don't trust people. Our our axe is sitting at our last church. It's sitting at an altar where someone said something to us and it turned us off from ever being a part of community ever again. So now we just do the church thing. Church thing. And our axe is sitting at the bottom. And I began to ask God, but what's the stick about? Like that's strange. Like why do you do this? And God brought me to the cross. Brought me to the cross. And usually when we look at the cross, we see the two things. And when we see Jesus and the passion of the Christ pulling you know, the, the cross, but, but oftentimes, what's many, many times would be the tradition is he wouldn't carry both of them. He would just carry one kind of stick and the other one would be in the ground and they would lift him up and just put him on there. And so they wouldn't have to like kind of get it into a hole. Oftentimes that would be what they did. So it was just a stick. Jesus died so that you could be redeemed. Not just your spiritual life, but all of your life. Not just so things could get going better for you and that you would have a place in heaven, but your relationships could be redeemed, your finances could be redeemed, your bodies could be redeemed, and some of those things are going to happen on this side of eternity and some on the next. But what I believe is when Elisha stuck that in, threw it on the ground, he was calling upon the God of heaven and earth who will make a way for you. I, I ran the race alone for so long, for so long. And I'll often refer to this time when I was 19 years old, sitting on a tailgate of a truck. And, and I just, I found community in that moment because we got real than we've ever been. Then I got in ministry and there was a position. And it was like, oh, it's hard to be authentic in this. I feel like I got to wear the, the suit and be what everybody else wants me to be except for myself, who God's called me to be. And God wants you to step in who you're called to be, but you can't be who you're called to be without your axe being sharpened. The people that are close to you have a huge impact on that. So I want to ask you to pray about that, to think about that today. John Carlo is going to come in just a moment. Uh, go ahead and come in. And he's going to close us out with our go moment this month. They're going to lead us. The band's going to come. They're going to lead us here in just a moment. And he, he texted me and said, hey, man, this is what I, the Lord's laid on my heart. Let's talk about it. And I said, dude, that's exactly kind of goes in line with what God is speaking and where I'm closing today. And so uh, I want to invite you to turn your attention to John Carlo as he leads us in this moment for this season. Different time to do it, but uh, lead us in. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Father Fam. And uh, just as he says, I told him, uh, text him this morning. He said, he exactly goes with my message. And it blows my mind. It's not the first time they had us connected, but it blows my mind. I cannot expect anything less from him, but it blows my mind every time. Um, for this month, uh, it might be a emotionally challenge. Uh, it, it could be deep, but it, it's so important for us to do because for this month, the challenge that we have for you is for you to reach out 
and perhaps reconnect with somebody that you need to forgive or perhaps you need to ask for forgiveness. It's somebody that perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and say, you need to reach out again. You need to either forgive or perhaps ask for forgiveness. And so um, I have a printout, um, and it's personal for me too. Though, uh, it, this, this challenge is for me, uh, personally for me too because it's something that b- before you do, you perhaps some of us need to reconnect with Jesus too as well, reconnect with the Father first before we can even, you know, ask for, 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 ask for guidance. But in this paper, I have a printout of three particular uh, verses in the Bible that Jesus taught us about forgiveness that perhaps you need a little bit of encouragement of how he led the way. But the importance of this challenge is that just like Jesus came down here to show us the way, he came down here to forgive us, and he did it so so we can reconnect with the Heavenly Father for the eternal. And so for this moment, for this moment I ask you, and I know it's not going to be easy. I, I shared this with Kevin as I printed this. It's like, oof. And I was like, I know. It's like, but give me one paper, and I'll try to work on it. <laughs> um, but I think it's so important for, for our spiritual lives to reach out. And just like you said, some of our relationships is hard. And, and we have lost touch with that person that we haven't persevered. But I'm going to give you this opportunity for this month to reconnect and share that perseverance that Jesus taught us for us for this month. Let's stand. Let's pray that God's going to lead us in this. It is a difficult go moment, but I believe it's God ordained for some of us to take that step. Let's pray today. The band's going to lead us in worship. God, thank you so much. Thank you that you don't let any of us run this race alone, but you call us into relationship with you, God. And when you call us into relationship with you, you call us into relationships with sons and daughters like us, God, brothers and sisters to run this race with. God, would you help us, God? Would you give us discernment and guidance as we look at those that are closest to us and understand, God, is this someone I need to persevere with or is this someone, God, that that I, I need to kind of get some distance from? God, is this someone that's helping me become who you're called to be or are they corrupting my good habits, God, that I've begun in you? God, would you lead and guide us as a people as we worship and we just declare that we're going to build our lives on you? Would you lead us in this? In Jesus' holy name, amen.